The Insurance and Injury Law Show, you bet, 416-216-5910. Simple number to remember, write it down. That's how you get a hold of Savannah anytime. There's also good old-fashioned email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You have got numerous cases, a plethora of cases today for uh, the week that was. That's how we start every show, and then we'll get shortly into the injury calculator, which is an amazing little tool you came up with. First, though, a uh, week that was. What do you got for me, pal? John, before we start, I'm mm. impressed. Use the word plethora. That's a big word. It's, you know, it's it's it's. I have a couple that I use. I'm very impressed. Plethora. Excellent. Vernacular is another word I like. <laughs> very good. Just, that means you can actually run for politics now. Yes, I can. Excellent. Good. Okay, let's get into it. So, uh, before I get into some cases, interesting scenarios that I've come across this week. Uh, you know, one of my pet peeves, and I've talked about this before, is uh, you know when somebody is. is tailgating you when they're driving so close that seat, you know yeah. you, you can see what's happening inside their car through the rearview <laughs> mirror and and you know john i i saw i i was coming down um just now down the dvp and uh and i'm seeing someone tailgating someone else and, and you know what really struck me about that scenario i mean you see this happening every day so no one who's listening now is going to say i've never seen this of course and it's happened to all of us except that the person tailgating the car tailgating was a cop Unbelievable. Was he going to pull him over? He just, he no, just he wasn't. No, no lights, nothing. He was just tailgating. And they were going in excess of 120 an hour. It's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, remember, if you are tailgating uh, and there is an accident, other than the fact that uh, the results can be catastrophic... Uh, and I've dealt with quite a few cases of people who were uh, re-rendered uh, and have had just, just horrible, horrible injuries from a legal standpoint... You know, if you are uh, the one that's being tailgated, don't slam on the brakes. Yeah, don't he, cause yeah. the accident yeah, you because you're going to be, yeah, yeah, legally you are going to be yep. partially at fault for the accident. Don't do it. Just move over to the next lane or slow down and get the guy behind you or the lady to uh, just bypass you. So anyways, let's get into some cases. Uh, I'm going to, uh, to, to, to read you an email that, well, this wasn't an email. This was a submission to the website that we have that we talk about, mydisabilityquestions.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this came up uh, this past week. Uh, and here's the question. The person there writes, I was on LTD, long-term disability, up until 2012 when the insurance company cut me off. And at the same time, CPP started my claim and I've been getting disability payments from them. But I feel that my insurance company did not have the right to cut me off since my doctors were all saying that I'm unfit for work. And the last sentence is, do I have a claim or has the time run out? What do you think, John? This thing, so he was cut off in 2012. We're now oh, yeah. uh, towards the end of 2016. Remember, everyone out there, there's a two-year limitation period. There are exceptions to that limitation period. But these exceptions are rare, and they're very, very difficult uh, to, to, to utilize and to get around that limitation period. You do not want to be in a position where you're saying, okay, well, let's see if I, if I can start this claim. Uh, I was delinquent in, in, in starting it. I didn't know, you know mm-hmm. that I was able, that I had a case. I've been listening to you uh, speak about these kinds of issues, and I think, you know what? Uh, I would like to start a claim. Well, I'm sorry. No, you are out of time. And, and here's the thing that bothers me about this, uh, this question. First of all, I feel really bad for the individual who wrote this. And, and for anyone out there, if you go to mydisabilityquestions.com, you will see that question there. I'm no. not just making it up. People ask these kinds of questions, le- legitimate questions, all the time. And, and here's why I feel really bad for this individual. Because clearly, if CPP, CPP disability, approved him, and by the way, it's not easy to get CPP disability, it means he's probably really disabled. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, John, when I have claims... Uh, against insurance companies, LTD claims, 
and my client uh, applies for CPP disability and they get approved, and by the way, the test to get approved for CPP disability is do you have a, a serious and prolonged disability? Uh, and again, you're dealing with the government. So if they've classified you as disabled, That's good for it's case. likely for life. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he's been cut off by the insurance company back in 2012. At the same time that CPP approves him, I'm telling you right now, had we started the claim for him back then, he would have already resolved that claim. And I, I don't know the particulars of the case, but I can tell you. Uh, depending on the particulars, you're dealing with uh, several hundreds of thousands of dollars, several tens of thousands of dollars, certainly a lot of money, money that now the insurance company is going to be able to keep, money that was rightfully owed to this individual and his family. And he's two years past the deadline, two years. He's Yeah, he's two years past yeah. the deadline. Now, there is an argument to be made with some of these claims, uh, and you know, again, every case has to be decided on its facts. Uh, what happens when you are denied by your insurance company, you're cut off, but you're invited right. to appeal. And then you're appealing that decision. Of course, then you're denied again a few months later, as often happens. Then you appeal for a second time, and then you're denied again. So let's say all the, the, the appeal process took, I don't know, six months, 10 months, 12 months, whatever it is. Is there an argument that the limitation period, the clock starts running from when the limitation, from, from when the, the, the appeals were denied? Appeal. Right. Yeah, and of course, there's an argument like that, absolutely. And there's been cases that have been argued on that point. I don't see that happening in this case. And, but that said, I actually wrote back to this individual and I asked him, did you appeal? Uh, and if you did appeal, uh, when did you get the denials of the appeals, presumably, since he's contacting me? I haven't received a response. But the lesson here is this. Don't assume if you are cut off by an insurance company for long-term disability, don't assume you don't have a case. If you are waiting for something to happen, if you are waiting too long, you're going to be in the same position that this unfortunate individual who now gets CPP disability, and I think the max is like 1100 bucks or something in that vicinity a month. Of what he could have got, right? Meanwhile, I, I don't know what the particulars are of, of his case, but maybe he's supposed to be getting two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month from the LTD insurer. So again, very, very important. Make sure that if you are cut off or denied LTD, you call me, you email me. It's going to cost you nothing. I can tell you usually within minutes whether or not you have a claim or not. And if I tell you you have no claim, then you have no claim. But if I tell you you have a claim and you don't do anything about it, shame on you. This is money that's owed, underlined, underlined, owed, owed. to you and your family. So if, you, if, if someone's listening and they've, they've been through the appeal denied, appeal denied, they're up to, say, 10 months, they get a hold of you, something starts to rock and roll, the case starts to go forward, can they retroactively get that 10 months? Absolutely. Ah, In see, fact, nice. when we go to a mediation, absolutely, when we go to a mediation, which is a process where I go in there with my client. It's not, a, it's not court, by no, the way. This no. is an office. We're going in there, me and my client, the lawyer for the insurance company and a representative from the insurance company, not the same adjuster who was adjusting the claim, mm-hmm. someone else, someone, you know, fresh eyes. We're going to talk about this in the show, uh, about what exactly happens in that uh, stage of the claim process. And a mediator, a neutral third party whose job it is to bridge the gap between the parties. Nice. Insurance company says, we want to pay nothing. We, want, we say, you know, you're owed everything going back to when you, the, my, my client was cut off right. and denied and, and into the future. And, and you know what? Almost always we're able to resolve these claims at the mediation process or shortly after. Lots more coming up. Just getting warmed up in the insurance and injury law show. Get more cases on the way. We'll get to the, uh, the calculator as well if you're not familiar with this and some emails as the show progresses as well. The number 416-216-5910 and help at 
theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here. Talk radio, AM 640. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get hold of Savannah through email or 416-216-5910. We'll get to the injury calculator. A bunch of emails that have come through since we started the show. And uh, a couple came through last week as well. we got to catch up on first, so we'll continue the, uh, the week. There was a couple more cases that have uh, been through your office. That's right. So this one is a car accident case. Uh, this individual, uh, let's call him uh, Mr. P. His name starts with a P. Uh, and he called me. He was referred to me by, uh, by someone who's been listening to, uh, to the show, a friend of his. And, and by the way, John, a lot of people who come to me are not people who have necessarily listened to the show uh, these are people who've listened, who, who, who've talked to people who've listened to the show, or advising other, a- advising people. other nice. people. And I keep saying this, you know, disseminate this information, provide this information to others. Remember, we have this website, uh, insuranceandinjurylawshow.com. Just make sure you get the information, um, you know, that you need from there. And we have past show uh, shows saved on that website. Right. Uh, so let's talk about this case. This case is an accident, a pretty bad accident that happened uh, back in September of this year, September fifth. So a few weeks ago, it happened in Brampton, and my client was going through an intersection where he did not have stop signs, but the person coming from the side, uh, from the crossing uh, road, did have a stop sign, and that person blew the stop sign. And it was a pretty bad collision. Uh, the gentleman that uh, had contacted me, Mr. P, is 52 years old. He's a truck driver. We're talking about one of, one of those um, big trucks, the 18-wheelers. Yeah, tractor trailer. Exactly. And he's been doing that kind of work for about 12, 13 years, uh, making a, a pretty good living. And since the accident, he hasn't been able to go yep. back to work. Uh, so again, very typical type of a case that I see. At this point, they haven't finished all of their examinations. Um, it seems like he has uh, a lot of the injuries we see with these kinds of collisions, neck pain, back pain, there's their shoulder pain, yep. arm pain, etc. Uh, very, very nice guy. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to be seeing him uh, very soon. I'm, I'm going to his place, as I do in many cases. I, I end up traveling to the person's home because they're unable to come and see me mm-hmm. uh, at our office. And that's okay. And I'm going to explain to him, in person, when I explained to him over the phone, and I explained that when you're involved in a car accident and someone is at fault for the accident, you have two types of claims you can make. One is an accident benefits claim with your insurance company. These, um, this, this particular claim uh, is, is regardless of fault. So you could have been at fault for the accident. It doesn't matter. In this case, Mr. P wasn't at fault for the accident, but he's still entitled to certain benefits, the most important of which are medical rehabilitation, right? So he has to go to a clinic and make sure that he gets the necessary treatments. He's going to have those treatments paid for by the insurance company up to a certain amount of money. And uh, even more importantly, he needs money to live on, income replacement benefits. So he's going to be uh, entitled to four hundred dollars, uh, up to four hundred dollars a week, unless he's paid for extra coverage, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. If you go to uh, to your broker or the insurance company that you have your auto insurance with, and you say, "I want to purchase extra coverage," which I recommend to everyone, it doesn't cost you that much more, but it gives you a lot more in the event you're in, you're injured in an accident. You can increase that income replacement benefit from a maximum of four hundred dollars a week to six hundred to eight hundred or even a thousand dollars a week. Very, very important. And again, you're not paying that much more for that coverage. In any event, so so accident benefits is one type of claim, and, and we're going to start that very quickly so he can start getting some money yep. in. The second type of claim is the most, uh, the most, the more serious claim in this scenario. Um, and, and, you know, the question becomes, what happens if his injuries don't resolve or plateau at a certain point? Let's say it's 60% of what he was before the accident. Right. 
in six months from now, a year from now? What do we do? What do we do if, if he's unable to go back to work or if he's able to go back to work, but not to the same extent? So now he's losing money or perhaps he's working the same hours, but you know what? He may have to retire early because these injuries are taking yeah. such a toll. That means that he has a potential tort, tort claim, claim, which is that claim against the, the other, other driver. driver. You got driver. their insurance company. So now you're going to be dealing with, or we will be dealing with, two insurance companies. His own insurance company for accident benefits and the other driver's insurance company uh, for the driver who was at fault for the accident. Very, very important to make sure that you consider that tort claim. And going back to what we discussed in the last segment, the limitation period, you have two years from the date of the accident to start that tort claim. Very important. Now, many offices, law offices will wait a year, a year and a half. They may even wait until a day before the expiration of the limitation period. Very, very dangerous. I don't advise doing that at all. In fact, that's one of my you know, warning signs, red signs. When somebody calls me up and tells me they have, been able to go, they have not been able to go back to work after an accident, and I ask them, well, when was the accident? They say, well, it was about eight months ago. But my, my, my lawyer wants to wait for, for at least a year, if not a year and a half, you know, to see whether or not they're going to start that claim. I, that's not the way that we practice. What's, what's the logic behind waiting? I don't get that. The, the general logic is that they want to see if your injuries are going to be permanent, if it's something that is going to carry uh, with you for the rest of your life. And, and one of the reasons they're saying that or, or doing that is because uh, there is a requirement for these tort claims that your injuries be serious. Mm-hmm. Serious doesn't mean that you've broken something. You can have back pain where you haven't broken anything, but it's debilitating. Many of us have those kinds of back pains and you can't work as a result. Listen, if you are telling me that after this accident, you know, six months past, seven months, eight months, you still can't go back to work. And, you know, you're being treated by your physician, various physicians, uh, treatment providers, clinics. You're telling me you're still having these issues. You're only 30% recovered or 50% recovered, but you've plateaued. There's no reason to simply say uh, generically, you know, we're going to have to wait for the one year mark or we have to wait for a year and a half. There is no reason for that. The, the, again, the rationale for many law firms is that, oh, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the, um, uh, the timeline that we look at. We want to wait for a year, year and a half, but that's an arbitrary um, uh, time frame that they've set. It doesn't mean that your specific case, they have to wait that long. And we like to start these claims sooner rather than later because that means you get money sooner rather than later. Plus, I, you know, I mean, in, in your case, I know you guys handle them personally and you, you know, I mean, you run the law firm, but you still handle these cases. You have your phone number out there. That's right. And I've heard there's firms that kind of take these cases and pass them off to other firms. I, that's, that, that just looks like more of a stall tactic to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are firms out there and it's been, uh, it, it's been a big problem in the industry. There are certain firms that advertise and... You know, I'm not going to say their names, but you see them everywhere. And some of them literally take a case in or sign up a client or speak to an individual who may have a case and pawn them off to another right. law firm, to yeah. other lawyers. Not a fan. Within our law firm, listen, right now we have 17 lawyers. We have a few paralegals. We're growing. We have an office here. We have an office in Ottawa. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're growing well. So when I deal with a case, it's a team environment. I may have a few other lawyers helping me with a case. But the reason for that is not because I'm pawning off the case. Uh, it's because if I have three, four, five people working on this case together, mm-hmm. it means that we're doing things in parallel, which means we can nice. move things. So if you have 30 tasks, it's going to take one person a lot longer to do so than Six. if you have five people yeah. who can divide the tasks amongst themselves. It's just efficient that way.
We'll take a, a quick break, folks. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910 to get hold of Savannah directly and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more coming right up in the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Talk Radio AM640. 416-216-5910. That's the number to get hold of Savannah directly and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You know, one more case to get through in the week that was. We'll get to the calculator and some of your emails here in the show. Okay, give me this one. You said okay. it's interesting. It is very interesting, uh-huh. uh, and there's going to be a twist here. So this is also a car accident. This individual, Mr. G, um, contacted us, and uh, my understanding is that he was T-boned by another vehicle on September 6th. So again, a few weeks back, by another vehicle that was fleeing the police. Uh, apparently, this individual who T-boned Mr. G was driving a stolen vehicle. Nice. So at the time of the accident, uh, he, he was he was you know driving uh, you know, to work exactly, and and <laughs> he, sustained, <laughs> he sustained various injuries. This individual who called us hasn't been able to go back to work. Uh, he's forty years old, uh, a refrigeration mechanic. Okay, so it's a very physical job. So clearly the question is. Does he have a claim against whom, given the fact that the other vehicle was stolen? How right. do you deal with all of that? Okay, so that almost seems like a law school exam question. Right. So let's break it down. Uh, clearly, Mr. G, the person who contacted us, who was not at fault here, is entitled to accident, accident benefits. benefits. Ex- his own insurance. You got it. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. It. So we can definitely help him with that. The question then becomes, if he has significant injuries, which seems like he does, does he have a claim against the other driver, the one who was driving a stolen vehicle? If he has insurance, yes. If he has insurance, exactly. So then the question becomes, let's say that he was driving a stolen vehicle. Mm-hmm. Would there be insurance on that stolen vehicle? And of course, the question then becomes, why would an insurance company cover a stolen vehicle? Presumably, they would say, no, we're What's not in the driver? hook here. Exactly. Yeah. So then that raises the question, what happens, let's say, if an insurance company says, this, was, this vehicle, yeah, we had insurance on it, we, the insurance company, but it was stolen. So we're not obligated to pay anything for the accident. Right. So what happens in that situation when the vehicle that caused the accident is uninsured, right? People call me up and say, well, who do we go after? Right. Well, here's what happens. Under Section 265 of the Insurance Act, if you're involved in a car accident like that, John, where another vehicle hits you and they have no insurance, you're entitled to, under that section, to make a claim, a tort claim against your own insurance company. They step into the shoes of the target insurance company. And why do we have that? That coverage is mandatory for every policy in Ontario. Why? Because it's a safety net. Because these things happen. And the law provides that there has to be some recourse. So, how much are you going to be entitled to? Well, you're going to be entitled to up to a maximum of $200,000, depending on the severity of your injuries, a max of two hundred. dollars But here's where there is a twist here. Remember the scenario. Mr. G was T-boned by this third party fleeing the police. The police got some responsibility. Is the police responsible here? Did they do everything they should have done? What what are the guidelines and policies for the police? Should they have engaged in a chase? We don't know at this point, and I don't have this information, but Section 265 operates... If no one else, if there's no other insurance company that's on the hook, there's a possibility here that the police may be found to some extent responsible, in which case it would be the insurance company that insures the police vehicle who caused the chase. I say caused loosely because we don't know the facts. They could be on the hook here. So you see how important it is to understand these kinds of issues. And people out there listening, unless you're in the industry, you would not know this. I mean, many lawyers who deal in this Mm -hmm. kind of law are unaware of these issues, have no clue. But if you go to the wrong lawyer, 
if you go to the wrong law office, if you get the wrong representative, or, or God forbid, you try to represent yourself when right. you have no knowledge of the industry, about it. you're going to get tangled up. You'll have no idea what you're doing. You'll likely miss a limitation period. You'll likely name the wrong parties. It's going to be a complete mess. So very important. You have these kinds of issues. You call me. You email me. Go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Go to injurycalculator.ca. Whatever it is, don't try and do it by yourself. No, of course not. Make sure that you know you come to me and you ask me these questions, even if it's not your case. It's somebody. It's a family member that experienced this kind of an issue. Wasn't an accident. Uh, it's a friend, and you just want them to get the right information. Refer them to me. Let me speak with them. It's only going to take a few minutes. Costs nothing for me to analyze these issues and provide some basic information. What if the uh, little punk that stole the car will assume that they, uh, well, in most cases, they probably don't have insurance. That's why they're stealing a car because they don't own one. But if they did, say, and they did have some sort of car insurance and they were the ones stealing the car, would it be against their insurance? Well, yeah, it, it, they could put, their insurance company potentially could be brought in there. But if they stole a car, then you can see how the insurance company will say, uh, we're going to claim that there was a breach of the policy here. I mean, you're stealing a car. I, I can't see a situation where they're stealing. Are you talking about if they steal their own car? No, steal a Some car. Some of these cars? Yeah, but, but it's, I stole right. a car. I'm insured for whatever reason yeah. under my own car. I decided to steal a car. I'm on, I, I went on a, some sort of right. drinking binge. I stole a car. I nailed Mr. G. Right. Would they bring my insurance coming into it? Most insurance companies, most insurance companies have provisions in their policies that say right. that if you do something that breaches the law, we are not going to cover nice. you. Nice, gotcha. So, and and by the way, not every breach. I mean, listen, you can be driving your own car and you can have a suspended driver's license uh, or or an expired license. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that your insurance company doesn't have to respond. They may say that there was a breach in the policy. But irrespective of that, they may still defend you in the claim and they may right. pay out up to $200,000. Again, we're not going to go into the complexities. It's a very technical area. Big time. A, 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 but extremely important for someone who knows what they're doing yeah. to deal with it. And that's what happens in a lot of cases when you have people who just dabble in this area of law, which, by the way, is ever-changing. And then the person who is ultimately injured is the one who, who uh, you know, doesn't get the money, the compensation that's right. that they're owed. Injury calculator, quickly, before we go to break, give me some details. All right, brilliant tool. It's an online tool that we created a while back. And what it is, is uh, it allows you to anonymously and for free figure out how much money you could potentially be entitled to. I say entitled, I mean owe. How much money you could potentially be owed for pain and suffering for an injury. If you slipped and fell because of someone's negligence, right? Let's say you're in a store and there's a spill and you fell down and it's their fault. Uh, if you're in a car accident like Mr. G or Mr. P and someone else was at fault, you're going after their insurance uh, company for compensation. You want to know, well, how much money could I potentially be looking at in terms of recovery? What's owed to me for my pain and suffering, for my broken ankle, for my torn shoulder, or for my herniated uh, uh, disc in my back? Mm-hmm. This tool, this this tool is essentially a database where you input a few key pieces of information about your injury without putting your name or your number. You're not putting any of that in there. It's anonymous. Anonymous. It takes you about 15, 20 seconds, and then it gives you a range, a range of a, a dollar amount. You know, you're entitled to twenty to $30,000 for this, or you're entitled to fifty to $70,000 for that. Right. And, and why do we have the range? Because different people react to their injuries differently, right? So the courts historically have awarded people different amounts, but there's still a range. And that's what this tool does. It's a database that allows you to uh, 
uh, input the information and through an algorithm uh, shoot back at you a range of compensation you are potentially looking at, but only for pain and suffering. Injurycalculator.ca is where you want to go. In the meantime, 416-216-5910. Have a try it out while we're in break here. That and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get right to your emails after we come back from a short break on the insurance and injury law show. Talk radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910. That's the man's number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll catch up on some emails here. Sonia from Ottawa. You mentioned you have an Ottawa office. She's obviously listening. I've been receiving long-term disability payments for three years, and now my insurance adjuster says that they want uh, me to go see one of their doctors for an assessment. I have very bad asthma and several other chronic conditions. I'm afraid their doctor will say that I should go back to work, even though my doctors say that I can't work indefinitely. Should I refuse to go to this assessment? No. That's right. The answer is no. That's very right, John. Uh, Sonia, if you've been on disability for three years, it means that you've passed that two-year mark that we often talk about. So remember, for the two first years of long-term disability, generally speaking, in most policies that I've seen, the test is, can you do your own work, your own occupation? It's called the own occupation test. Beyond the two years, it's, can you do any other work for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? So it's a broader test to meet. And whenever I have someone contacting me and they are beyond that two-year mark, and then the insurance company is starting to ask questions, you know, it gets a little dicey for the insurance company because why did you approve this person for that extra year with Sonia uh, when clearly, you know, you, you, you've, you've acknowledged that at least for that year, she can't do any work for which she's suited for. Now, Sonia, you're asking, can you refuse to go to this assessment? You know, I, I generally say that I want to see the... the um, uh, the contract, the policy, because everything starts and ends with that uh, insurance policy. That said, I can tell you that in almost every policy I have ever seen for long-term disability, there is a provision there that states that if they ask you to go to one of their doctors for an assessment, you have to go. And if you don't, you're in breach of that policy. So let's think that through. You say, I don't want to go. They write you a letter saying, okay, well, then you are breaching the policy. And based on the breach of the policy, we can stop payment. Not good. So you know, exactly. It's not good. But that said, I wouldn't be that concerned. Why? Because clearly, if, you're, if you've been on disability for three years, it means that your doctors have been fairly persuasive with the insurance company. So let them, you know, let their doctor give whatever opinion he or she has and, you know, let's see. I mean, don't assume, by the way, that their doctor is going to say that you're able to go back to work. And that doesn't mean that, you know, if you go there automatically, the doctors that they hire immediately are going to uh, be against you. Yes, they are getting paid by the insurance company, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to come back with a conclusion that is unfavorable to you. So you should go. Don't be too concerned about it. If there are any issues whatsoever, oh, and by the way, request uh, a copy of that report because oftentimes the report will actually list uh, the answers that you've given during the uh, assessment. Uh, it, it will provide some details. Mm-hmm. And it, frankly, I often find that uh, you know when people see these reports, they say, hold on, I never said this. This never happened. So they can actually uh, um, you know, go through the report and, and create a list of things that are inaccurate with the report. Right. So if the report is actually unfavorable to you, we can attack it. So very, very important. But no, you should not refuse. You should be going. 
but if you have any concerns, just give me a call off our off off air, uh, and uh, you know we can chat about your case specifically. I wouldn't be too concerned about it at this point. You know, you've often said in the show many times that uh, even when insurance companies deny LTD, they end up settling once you guys get involved. Uh, why exactly? Haven't they made up their minds? I mean, they're insurance companies, right? That's right. But keep in mind what I've said before. They oftentimes deny claims or cut people off. Not always, but often. As a tactic, as a tactic to make you back off, you know, let's go back to the beginning of the show when we have that individual who was cut off from LTD uh, in 2012. He lost out on his claim. You know, John, there are a ton of people out there, a ton who simply don't pursue uh, what they're owed from the insurance company. So just imagine, let's say that in that case, and I don't have any particulars, but let's say in that case, that individual was owed $100,000. Let's say that there are 10 people like that in Ontario alone that are in the same situation. The insurance companies have now saved a million dollars. Expend that to 1,000 people. Right. What if there are 10,000 people or over 10 the course day, of 10 years like or 10 a day? Yeah. It's just crazy. So that's the reason. So what happens when we get involved? We start a claim, a legal claim, which means the insurance company, that basically if we're playing poker, we've, 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 we've Ask them to show their hand. I mean, exactly. we, we, yeah, we, you have we, to. Yeah, you have to. We've called them on it. So they're gambling that you're going to do nothing when they cut you off or deny the claim. But they know that when there is a disability lawyer on the other side, especially somebody who knows what they're doing, particularly somebody who's worked on the insurance side, on the other side, yeah. it's a lot more difficult. They can't simply do whatever they want. And incidentally, when I tell a client, an individual, to start a claim, I'm not saying it uh, so that uh, I can just drag the, pr- the person through the process with nothing at the end. I mean, yeah. keep in mind, we don't get paid unless we are able to recover money for the client. So the client pays nothing. If I recover zero, I get you paid zero. Your time. You got right. it, exactly. So, you know, that's the reason why these claims settle, because you do. there are merits. There are meritorious claims that get denied and cut off for no reason. 416-216-5910. Savan's number right there. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce over to another me, uh, email after a short break. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here at Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The email to get hold of Savan, which we'll do. Right now, flip through, we get to uh, Sharon from North York right here. It says, I was paid LTD long-term disability for two years, which ended last December. And was just told that I don't qualify for more payments after two years. I've listened to you talk, and I think that I may have given up too quickly. I'm still unable to work because of a chronic illness. Very bad arthritis. It gets worse. Uh, it's getting worse anyway. Uh, is it too late to do anything or challenge the insurer? No, it's not no. It's not too late. You're not in the position of that gentleman who had emailed us, sorry, who wrote... Uh, his question on mydisabilityquestions.com. If it ended last December, then you're within the two-year limitation period. You can definitely do something about this. Certainly do not appeal uh, these kinds of denials. These appeals go absolutely nowhere, 99.9% of the time. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's the same people who are making that decision to deny your claim, the people who actually rejected you in the first place. So Sharon, get in touch with me uh, off air. We can definitely help. There's no question about that. Uh, all I all I need really uh, is to get some more facts from you, see some of the reports from your physicians, uh, the illness you're describing. I'm very familiar with it. Arthritis can be just debilitating completely. Uh, and my brother is, uh, is 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 a doctor, and, and you know we have chats about these kinds of conditions uh, quite frequently. And it's just it's a horrible condition. So there's no question in my mind, Sharon, that we can recover for you, and it's not going to take that long, and it's not going to be too complicated. So when you get involved in LTD claims, uh, you're dealing with the same insur- insurance adjuster that the one who's handling the claim, or do they bring on someone else to deal with you? How does that affect? So the that's claim, interesting. Or does it? That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, for most people, remember we talked about that. 
they get really, really anxious and upset whenever they have to deal with their insurance adjusters. Yep. At the beginning of the claim, usually the adjusters are very nice. But later on in the claims process, many adjusters, uh, you know, it's uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, whatever the, uh, <laughs> they turn on the name is, they turn on you, exactly. No, when I start a claims process and we go to mediation, uh, I've almost never had a situation or very rarely had a situation where it's the same adjuster. They bring in someone else. Someone else with a fresh pair of eyes comes to that mediation or the settlement conference from the insurance company, and that person will oftentimes introduce themselves as Mr. or Ms. So-and-so from the insurance company, and in fact, they will highlight the fact that they were not the main adjuster who adjudicated the claim and cut the person off or denied their claim. They'll highlight the fact that they are a fresh pair of eyes. And I suspect there are two reasons for that. Number one, because if you have someone else, it's going to be more, um, it, it's going to be less difficult to resolve the claim. Think about it. If you're the adjuster who cut my client off, for you to agree or acknowledge you have to pay X amount of dollars to resolve the claim, right you know, you can see how ego is going to get in the way, yep. right? They're going to have to reverse themselves. The second reason why I think that they usually have a different adjuster is because once you start the claims process, it's a different ballgame altogether. Legal proceedings have been initiated, which means that you need somebody from the insurance company who really knows what he or she is doing. Right. And oftentimes that person communicates with their lawyer, the insurance lawyer, and they come together as a team. And so my client and I are sitting in a room. This has happened countless times. The insurance adjuster, sorry, a different insurance person is coming into the room with the insurance lawyer uh, and they're introducing themselves and we're, we're, you know, we're able to get uh, the, the, the claim resolved because we're not dealing with the initial adjuster who denied the claim. Right. Fresh pair of eyes. Fresh pair of eyes. New ball game, right? Yeah, exactly. We'll get to a, a quick email here. We've got about a minute before we break. Uh, if I, you know, I'm going to ask you this because I was thinking this instead. I'll get to the email after the break. But if someone's denied short-term STD, can they still get long-term? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, uh, w- you can have two scenarios. You can have a scenario where uh, you have one insurance company that's covering you for short-term disability and also covers you for long-term disability. In that situation, if you were denied STD, short-term disability, chances are that same insurer is going to deny you for yeah. LTD. Uh, it doesn't mean you have no claim, by the way. You should still be applying for the LTD even though you were rejected for STD. We can help you with both. But what happens if you have... Uh, an insurance company covering you for STD, for shortened disability, but another insurance company, a different one covering you for LTD. You could potentially have a situation, and it does happen, where you're rejected for the STD and then approved for the LTD. Nice. Right? So my point is that you should always be applying for STD if you need it, and if you're rejected from it or cut off, apply for the LTD. Get that denial as well, because we can help with both. We'll take a uh, quick break. The number is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll wrap up the show with an email. After a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910. That is the number to get a hold of Savan. You need him on the phone or the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's what Jessica used. She writes in from Barry, says, I was on short-term disability for anxiety and a mood disorder, but when I applied to the transition to long-term, they deny me because they said that the documents I gave them didn't support, quote-unquote, total disability. I appealed and got rejected twice. I've heard your show for the last couple of weeks. Do you think I have a case? Well, Jessica, the, the, for me to figure out if you have a case or not, I need to see the medical documentation right. you provided. 
if your doctors, whichever doctors those are, and by the way, whenever we're dealing with a mood disorder or a psychological issue, psychiatric issue, you want to show that it's not just a letter from the family doctor. You want to have ideally um, uh, a, a psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist, who, that's an MD, obviously, right. uh, very different than a psychologist. You, you want to show those kinds of reports. And oftentimes, John, um, when we get involved, we don't even have to initiate a legal claim. We simply get the correct reports that the insurance company needs to digest in order to approve the claim. Now, Jessica, you, you mentioned that you appealed uh, twice and got rejected twice. I can guarantee you that the rejections were completely foreseen because it's probably the same people who looked at all the documents over and over. But to know if you have a case or not, it really comes down to whether or not we have sufficient medical documentation. And Oftentimes, I do find that people do have sufficient medical documentation. Uh, it's just that the insurance company either ignores that documentation or arbitrarily takes the position that in their view, highlighted, their view, the documentation is not sufficient yep. to support total disability. And remember, we spoke about this, I think, a show or two ago. Total disability doesn't mean that you are paralyzed. It doesn't mean that you are unable to do anything. It just means that you can't do you know, most of your job or, or the important parts of your job. That's what it means. If it meant the other thing, which is what I think many adjusters seem to think that it means, right? I'm totally disabled. I can't get out of bed. If that's what it meant, then almost no one would ever qualify for total disability. But that's not the case. That's right. not the test. Total disability is a legal term of art. Okay? So long as you have a doctor, a specialist, somebody that is treating you for the condition that's disabling you provide uh, a report, a letter that says, here's the reason why Jessica is unable to work and she's unable to work for the foreseeable future, provide some detail about that, some prognosis, some meat to the letter Mm -hmm. uh, or report, that should be sufficient, in my view, to get you approved for total disability. As to whether or not the insurance company wants to test that by asking the doctor more questions or sending you to their own doctor is a different story. But just to ignore it altogether, I don't think that's right. Go to a rehab clinic, whether it's after a car accident or otherwise. Uh, can that choice of clinic impact a claim for compensation? It can. Uh, right. And, you know, a few years back, there was a huge brouhaha that happened with um, the Toronto Star, I think, actually did an exclusive that there are many clinics out there and those clinics, uh, you know, not every clinic is kosher. Let's put it that way. Uh, and, and, and some of them are better than others. And, you know, sometimes people are told to go to a particular clinic after a car accident uh, because whoever's sending them there is getting some kind of a benefit, whether that's a lawyer that's doing that or a tow truck driver or a friend. You have to be very careful with the clinics you go to. And I can tell you that insurance companies are very sophisticated and they know which clinics are legit and which clinics are not. And if I were to, I can do a whole show, by the way, John, just about the topic of clinics because it irks me so much that there are so many clinics that are not legit. And by not legit, I mean they'll build the insurance companies for services they never even provided. That's nice. It's just, it's, it's absolutely horrible. But then, you know, you can't paint everyone with the same brush. There are clinics that are legit. In fact, there are people that I brought on to the show here that have been here from other shows, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in other shows who, who I can tell you, I've been to their clinics, I've seen their operations, they are legit. I try not to refer people to clinics. I don't like the idea of the lawyer referring the individual to yeah. the clinic. I may give them a choice of certain clinics that I've heard about or I've had personal experiences with, Generally, I say to you, if you know a clinic, if you've been to a clinic before, you have a relationship with a certain therapist, go to that clinic. 
Uh, perhaps speak with your family doctor. Oftentimes, they know which clinics are good and which are not. So just make sure you do your research with clinics, just, just like you do research with, with lawyers. Because if you go to a clinic that's not legitimate or that has a big red mark on it, and insurance companies uh, uh, you know, know that has problems, it could color your case. For sure. So something to keep in mind. Until next time, a couple different numbers and uh, addresses you want to keep uh, in your pocket. 416-216-5910. That is the number to get a hold of Savan. When the show is over anytime, you want to email them as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, mydisabilityquestions.com. Chances are the question you punch in there has probably already been asked and answered, but go through the uh, the entire thing, ask your question, you'll get an answer right away. And if you've never used this tool as well, the Injury Calculator, you want to figure out what your pain and suffering is worth, simple, www.injurycalculator.ca. Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640.